Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. How do you help your kids develop good money habits? How can you overcome the challenges that simply talking about money can bring? Bill Dwight, a lifelong software engineer, faced these questions while he and his wife were raising their five kids. So Bill did what any reasonable person would do facing a similar problem. He started his own company, a virtual family bank. FamZoo, the company Bill created, integrates prepaid card accounts with family finance software to help parents and kids develop responsible money habits through hands-on experience. FamZoo, short for the family zoo, which Bill said represented what he and his wife were currently going through, seeks to encourage certain money habits within kids, such as spending, saving, and giving responsibly. These are all tenets of Ron Lieber's book, The Opposite of Spoiled. Separating your resources into functional buckets is a skill worth developing for kids and adults. Bill, like myself, also found inspiration to help teach our kids about money through the work of David Owen and his book, The First National Bank of Dad. The premise is that kids learn best by doing, and what better way to teach sound financial habits than to let kids actually have control of how they use their own money. An unexpected benefit of helping to teach our kids about money is that it can help parents deal with their own issues surrounding money. In addition, it can create great conversations about money between kids and parents and between parents and spouses. Be sure to listen to the end where Bill talks about his favorite financial parenting hack, which I totally support. Please enjoy my conversation with Bill Dwight. So Bill Dwight, welcome to the uh, Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Hi, Paul. I'm delighted to be here. And and as I was saying beforehand, uh, I can't thank you enough for your time because we're going to get into your, your, your business, FamZoo, but you're going through a major... Uh, launch right now, and and you carved off uh, enough time for us to have this conversation. So I am more than appreciative. Uh, never never miss a chance to talk about uh, kids and 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 money and parenting. Well, this is th- I I actually found you through Todd Adams of Zen Parenting Radio. Yeah, and when I when I had interviewed Todd, he's like, "Do you know Bill Dwight at FamZoo?" I'm like. I don't know, Bill. I think I've heard of FamZoo before. And he started explaining it to me. I was like, holy crap. Like, this is a question that I get asked all the time as a financial advisor when working with my families is like, okay, how, what are the tools out there that my kids can start getting involved in? And like, I didn't, I didn't know of any. So I kind of started my own. I call it the first national bank of dad after a book I read. Yes. Yes. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. And um, I actually so, read it after I created Hamzoo. <laughs> awesome. uh, and many of the, many of the concepts are, are, are the same. 
Well, we'll we'll definitely have a link to FamZoo in the show notes into that book as well, since you're a big fan of it as well. Um, the I should know this, but the, the author's name um, slips my mind. But I I think I've reached out to him before about trying to get him on. So um, mm-hmm. I, I'll still have to keep working on him. But I think I think the best place to start, Bill, is at the beginning. Is is have you walked through your background, who you are, and then let's take a really deep dive into how you started FamZoo and, and what it is. <laughs> well, I'll give you the, the brief version. I mean, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm 60, just, just turned 60. Well, happy and, birthday. <laughs> uh, thank you. And so I've been in software since uh, the early eighties. And so uh, originally I thought I was going to be a, a tennis player. And then I, uh, fortunately realized that that wasn't going to pan out as a profession. So I switched my racket for a keyboard instead and got really uh, interested and, and excited about computer science and it became something I just absolutely loved. So I've uh, had the good fortune of, of working in software since the early 80s and, um, you know, built, built uh, all kinds of things, worked for Oracle Corporation, which was a large database provider and uh, worked for lots of startups and the, the first wave of artificial intelligence uh, back in the day and uh, on online marketplaces. I was a VP of engineering of Elance, which became Upwork. And um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, I didn't know those two dots were connected. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed constructing software throughout my life and also, uh, I met my wife in school and we got married the summer after we graduated and, uh, we've, uh, created a, a pretty large family. <laughs> so we have five children and, uh, they're older now, <clears throat> but all those things sort of combined to form fam zoo when I decided that I was kind of done with my traditional career in Silicon Valley and I wanted to do something that really combined a lot of my passions, and that involves uh, software. So I wanted to see if I could build a company completely from scratch, uh, getting back to, to writing my own software. And uh, I love the idea of parents mentoring their children. And um, I had been searching for something to help my kids learn about personal finance the oldest ones when they were in their early tween, you know, teens and tweens in the early 2000s. And I really couldn't find anything. Uh, and this gets back to your mention of the First National uh, Bank of Dad by David Owen. And yes, David Owen. It's a, it's a wonderful book. And it talks about the concept of running sort of a little family bank where you kind of... Um, you teach all the concepts they're going to run into as adults, but you kind of simplify them and speed them up in time. And so the classic example is parent paid compound interest. So instead of your kids getting a little bit of interest at the end of the year, maybe uh, that isn't terribly compelling for them or meaningful in their timeframes, you juice it up and give them some really awesome interest that you pay as a parent maybe every week or every month. And therefore you're getting this reinforcement of the power of compounding in a time frame that a kid can appreciate. So 
if they're getting constant feedback every week, oh, you earn two cents in interest. Oh, you earn four cents, five cents, a dollar, you know, <laughs> uh, that really gets in their head about, oh, you know, compounding is very powerful. And of course, it's in a time frame that a kid can appreciate. Some people might say, well, they'll never get that in the real world. So why are you, um, you know, doing something that's not quote real? And the point is to build uh, understanding and habits. Yes. And often uh, you can, once you build that habit, then, um, you know, it'll stick even once they get out in the real world and get, you know, terrible returns. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's kind of funny. Uh, our youngest son, who's now 20, and we should mention, let me interrupt for a minute. Yep. We should mention that you are in Silicon Valley out in Palo Alto, California. Yes. And your youngest son, uh, for our, our, our Wolverine listeners, <laughs> goes to the University of Michigan here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That is correct. And so since he's 20, he kind of grew up in this era of Robin Hood and crypto and all that stuff. And so he was earning this uh, bank of dad interest on his savings which I thought was a pretty awesome return, uh, weekly return, which was far greater than you get on a traditional returning asset. But then he got into uh, Dogecoin <laughs> and and like doubled his money. And he's like, ah, dad, you know, you're making that interest not that great. Uh, but then it cratered. So, right. uh, so fortunately, with something like crypto, you can actually learn something pretty quickly uh, and look where it is today. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very topical with FTX uh, eating it. Yeah, I was but, just going to say, we just had the crypto winter. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, it's just I, the idea is to kind of have a family bank where the parents are the, the bankers and can make the rules and do things in a time frame and, a, and a, a volatility that kids can appreciate and understand and learn lessons with. And that's a really neat sort of basic idea. And you don't need any special technology to do that. You could keep a ledger uh, with a pencil and paper in a book that where you keep accounts, faux accounts for the kids and uh, credit it with interest. And in fact, that might be a great learning tool because the kids learn to, to maybe compute their interest with them. You sit down with them. But over time, you know, there's a reason that it's called FamZoo. That's short for my family is a zoo. So <laughs> most of us don't really have time to, to, to kind of do all that stuff manually. It might be a good way to start. So I had built a set of spreadsheets for my kids where uh, they were represented the kids' accounts and the transactions were you know, if we credited them for a job that they'd done uh, or allowance, and then we would credit them for interest. And then if they wanted to buy something, they would, um, we would say, well, you know, what's the balance in your, your fake account in the spreadsheet? And uh, if you can afford it, then, then you can buy it. We would buy it for them and we would decrement the amount in the spreadsheet. So, you know, with five kids coming in saying, you know, asking about spreadsheets. I'm like, all right, well, one weekend I just sort of built some software, a little website that they could sign in and see their own balances. So they weren't bugging me all the time. And uh, one thing led to another. And ultimately I realized, hey, that would be kind of a, a neat product for other families. And uh, I can automate a lot of this stuff. And I can, uh, instead of telling them they earned XYZ in interest, I can automatically send them a text message. And so FAMZU was uh, 
born around 2006. So August 2006 is when I incorporated FAMSU and took a couple of years to kind of build out the software to the point where it could be an actual product. And so originally it was just a set of fake bank accounts uh, where a family could set up a virtual family bank, if you will. Uh, several years in, we were approached by a prepaid card company and they said, how would you like to combine what you've done? Because they, they saw a presentation I gave at a conference, um, this conference called Finnovate, which uh, highlights financial technology. And so we were lucky enough to, to win an award there at Finnovate. And so this prepaid card company approached us and said, hey, let's marry these two concepts. Let's make it so the instead of fake accounts, they're real prepaid card accounts. And, and I was like, wonderful, because that really gave the kids some agency, right? They uh, originally FAMZU felt like something that, that was done to your kids. Like you've been <laughs> <Right>. famzu <laughs> ah, bummer. Um, but once you get a card with your name on it and you can actually transact, now that's, that's motivating. Um, so you couple that with parent paid compound interest and things like that. And, uh, and so um, that's when FAMZU really became particularly compelling to the entire family, the kids included. And that was uh, just over 10 years ago. So we've been issuing cards for quite some time. And, um, you know, you, we built all kinds of features into it to, to encourage certain habits. So much like the multi-part piggy bank, you can have multiple sub-accounts. And um, so you might have spend, save, give would be sort of the classic uh, three sub-accounts per kid or... You might have an expense account for clothing if you wanted to teach one of your kids how to budget. So, for example, my daughter had um, a clothing sub-account where she got an annual clothing allowance. And that was to try to help her understand what it, what it means to, to manage a lump sum of money over a period of time. Now, she promptly went out and bought a... a uh, Neiman Marcus chiffon gown and blew the entire thing in one fell oh, swoop. Man. <laughs> she went big time. But that's exactly the point. She remembered that experience better than any parental lecture, right? Because yes, um, she had to go cold turkey basically on clothing or shift funds from other accounts to cover it for the remainder of the year. So the whole idea is to to allow the kids to learn through firsthand experience uh, rather than boring lecture, but also to create conversations like everyday conversations between the parents and the kids about money. And ultimately that's the real goal. The objective is to get the kids and the parents really comfortable with transparent conversations about money so that, uh, you know, when they're older, like my kids are now, they're comfortable coming to me and having a conversation about a financial issue early before it becomes a big mess. You know, I just want them to be comfortable. We can tackle the problem early on uh, rather than it snowballing. Um, and, and so that, that's really the, the, the concept is to, to, to create those, those connections and, uh, and, and easy conversations about money and, and to really like Ron Lieber uh, 
says in his his book, he has a terrific book, uh, The Opposite of Spoiled. Spoiled. You know, yeah, I was just going to reference that. <laughs> it's a wonderful book, has lots of uh, uh, very practical tips that you can pick and choose from. But, you know, he says every conversation about money is really about values. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very uh, insightful comment that really it does. When you, when you are talking about money, which sounds off-putting uh, initially, you're often really talking about underlying values. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Bill, because it, it's interesting you made that point because I've been, that's been a focal point of what I do as a financial advisor is getting people to understand what their values and purpose are, either as an individual or a family, and then develop objectives from that. And then action mm-hmm. items that, you know, support those objectives that then it supports the, those, those values and purposes rather than, I think most people have this stereotypical thought of an advisor, just manage my money, stocks, bonds, you know, whatever. And that's pretty much the opposite of what I do. And mm-hmm. so I, I really like how you phrase that. And, you know, the, the going back to Ron Lieber's book, Opposite Spoiled, that whole trying to create habits with these kids around that spend, save, give mentality. Yeah. I think that kind of separating your, your, your money and resources into functional buckets that are aligned with your, your goals is a real fundamental um, concept and skill. And so we kind of take for granted all these things that we <laughs> that we learn by the time we're 50 and 60. And it's nice to have some, some framework to, to introduce those concepts really early on. I mean, I know I could have really benefited. I think my parents did a wonderful job of uh, uh, parenting, but I could have benefited uh, quite a bit from some of these basic, really basic concepts and understanding them. Uh, earlier uh, in in my life, and so that's kind of what FAMZU is all about. Is is um, you know just trying to reinforce through everyday practice some of these um, seemingly simple concepts, but if you never learn them, <laughs> they're not simple. Yeah, you know, because you're not you're not seeing it. Yeah, I and, mean, money is so yeah. taboo topic wise, as you, as you kind of alluded to that it it really this really is a conversation starter to your point. Mm-hmm. And it also, uh, interestingly enough, helps the parents as well, because it's a little tough to, uh, you know, go set up spend, save, give buckets without thinking, Hmm, I, you I know, what are, what are my sub accounts and, and, and what are my priorities? And, and um, you know, am I, uh, uh, splitting my my incoming funds between these functional buckets in a way that's aligned with with my goals, and so there's this neat uh, side effect that you're not only teaching your kids, but you're also kind of uh, reexamining your own habits and, and cleaning that up. I, I know that certainly worked for me. <laughs> so, what one of the things I want to go back to? So, I, I want to kind of go in two different directions, but let me first pull us back to another. Um, I want to talk more about the, the go in depth with FAMZOO and really how it works and some of the some some granular detail, if you don't mind. But mm-hmm. before we go there, I want to go back because we talk a lot on this show about life transitions. And so going from working in the corporate world to starting launching your own business, that's a huge life transition. 
Yeah. So what what was that like for you personally and then for your family as well? <laughs> I felt like a criminal. <laughs> I mean, when you're used to you know uh, going into the office every day and 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 working in a corporate structure as an executive or whatever um, and then one day you end up just sort of staying home and working at home all by yourself that's a that's a big transition it's a big change. I remember you know, going out like midday to get some coffee and looking around and feeling like I had to explain myself, like it's okay. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm out here by myself, but I do work. I have a job. <laughs> and um, so that was uh, a big sh- uh, shift for me kind of uh, mentally and, and ego wise, um, frankly, but what was so wonderful about it is that, uh, as I mentioned, we have five children and we have like a six year gap between our, uh, our fourth and fifth. And so our youngest kind of never remembers me going into the office. And I was basically home every day when he would get home from school. And it was the most wonderful blessing uh, for me just to kind of, uh, I like to say he's like an only child with four siblings. <laughs> and um, just for me, it was wonderful because w- when we were raising our first four, I was obviously very distracted by my career at Oracle and other places. And, uh, you know, always felt like it didn't, it was a struggle to devote the kind of time that I wanted to, to the, the kids. And so th- this was just, a a wonderful, lucky circumstance where I had the uh, resources to, to strike out on my own and then the flexibility to do so. And and then the, the ability to have that one-on-one time with, with our fifth child. Uh, So, so I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, it's, it's been a wonderful experience, but um, it was an interesting transition ego wise. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can, I can relate to you, Bill on two different levels there that you just pointed out. One is when I transitioned from corporate world to uh, Tama, I had a really hard time with being by myself. So I looked to my left, I looked to my right, I'm just surrounded by walls. And before, you know, I'm very hopefully engaging, outgoing person, as you might be able to tell. And I really, that's one thing I liked about being in an office. I was, you know, around people and engaging Mm -hmm. and, and traveling and things like that. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. And so, you know, I was pretty fortunate where, um, you know, there's, there's a group of other advisors that I would hang out with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. once a month or whatever, we get together online and talk and, and it, it felt, you know, normal again. Yep. And then, you know, similar to your situation, you know, one of the reasons why Teresa, my wife and I made the call for me to go into the business on a full-time basis is that we needed one of us to be home more for our triplets plus one. Yep. And I didn't think that that was going to be me. I'm like, that's not, that's not <laughs> who I am. That's, that's not what I signed up for. I, so, but in all honesty, when I look back over the last five, six years, almost that I've been doing this Tama on a full-time basis, I've, I've, I've had the firm, actually I started the firm 12 years ago, the day that my triplets were born. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to remind myself often that these days are long and the years are short because mm-hmm. 
it's been such a blessing for the last four to five years of being able to get my kids on the school bus and off the school bus. And I'll look back at those times and think, man, I was really lucky because I know a yes, lot of you dads, will. a lot of dads, yeah, a lot of dads would, would, you know, give anything to change spots with you. And, and mm-hmm. I, my last, my, my plus one McKenzie is in fifth grade this year. And so last year of elementary school and, and I'm, I'm trying to really soak it up. Like, you know, make sure I'm there every morning getting her on the bus. I'm not, I'm not as great getting her off the bus. Cause I'm like, Oh, she can get home on her own. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, you're going to, you're going to turn around. You're going to miss this. You're going to miss these days and these opportunities. So I, I completely know where you're coming from. And I, I think it's just a, a special thing to be able to, to have that opportunity. Oh, it's incredible. And um, then fortunately I was uh, lucky enough to be able to uh, hoodwink my, my old uh, Princeton roommate and, and, and computer science lab partner into joining me. So. Uh, wow. So, that's awesome. Uh, Chris Buford and I uh, run FamZoo and we, you know, we write all the software together and it's just like old times. And we've known each other uh, actually one day longer than I've known my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so I met both of them. I, I met uh, Princeton, uh, both of them at, at Princeton. Uh, and I met Chris the first day that I arrived. Uh, we were the two Californians in the double uh, ECS department. Um, uh, that back in the day, there wasn't a separate department for computer science. It was just sort of grafted onto electrical engineering. And so, um, you know, we've worked together on and off uh, over the, the decades, but in the last, oh gosh, he's probably, we've been working together, I think for 12 years or so on uh, FAMZU. So that's really wonderful. That made all the difference in the world. Uh, of, m- most importantly, I mean, from a, from a social standpoint and having someone to bounce ideas off of. And, and then, uh, you know, he's an incredible talent and, and he's able to, um, he has no, uh, no hesitation to tell me what an idiot I am when I make bad decisions. So, you know, I think it's made us a much better, better company. And it's been, it's been very fulfilling to, to, to have, you know, a good friend that you can, you know, work with on a daily basis. So it's really worked out, out wonderfully uh, for me. That's uh that's incredible. That's a, that's a good tie tie as well. Cause I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, okay. So let's, let's now pivot back to fam zoo itself. And mm-hmm. can you, can you, I, I know you've kind of given us high level view of kind of how it works, but can you take somebody, a, a novice, obviously I know yeah. this is a podcast, but and people can't, I, I'm strongly encouraging people go to the site famzoo.com and check this out. But have you walked through like what the process is like for for getting yep. started and, and what a parent should be looking for? Yeah, and and by the way, there there are several products in this area now. Uh, we were kind of the OG uh, in this space. It was really a space that that Chris and I created. Uh, you know, prepaid cards that at the that are. Uh, educational in nature. Um, there are other products. There's uh, Greenlight. There's Go Henry. Um, there's Busy Kid. And so I just want to be clear to people. I don't. You know, it doesn't matter to me what product you use. The idea, the concept is is very solid in my opinion, uh, which is that you um, basically 
allow your kids to to transact and learn about money in a hands-on way uh, with oversight from you. And so the way it the way it works is you 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 come to Famzu and and you you start an online order uh, for a collection of cards, and every family is anchored by what we call a primary funding card. It's like the parent wallet. Okay. And um, so you put some funds in that parent wallet, and that's the source for um, whatever system you want to run, whether you want to do allowance or chores or a combination or um, or even if, uh, if, if they're teenagers and they have <clears throat> summer jobs, you can do direct deposit right to their card. So um, the point is, we don't try to steer you in any particular direction about whether you're gonna, whether you know everyone should do chores or, uh, you know, I didn't get paid to do my chores, so no, they're bad. You know, we don't have an opinion about that. We just have a toolbox, and you you kind of decide what fits with your values and what fits with your individual kids. And you might do different things for different kids. My kids were all dramatically different. So we had different setups for them to kind of cater to their different personalities. So anyway, you, you, you come and you, you start an order, you have a primary funding card, might be like, like the bank of dad card, bank of mom card. And then you add children to the family and you add any number of cards or sub accounts for the kids. So uh, you might uh, add a, a child junior and then you might add a spending card, uh, a saving uh, sub account and a giving sub account. I was just uh, going to ask about that. So yeah. like, so, you know, you've got five kids, I've got four. So we got a mm-hmm. lot between the two of us. So, so with, so when you set up the, the main account, then you start adding the, the children. So let's just say mm-hmm. Madison, for example, she's my oldest girl triplet. Yep. If I wanted to kind of follow that save, spend, give mm-hmm. uh, format, I would set up three different sub accounts under Madison That's right. under each uh, child, Either each child. Okay. Yeah. If you, if you wanted to have that. So, and, um, and then for older kids, you might, uh, might want to at some point introduce them to the idea of an emergency fund. So you might have mm-hmm. an, uh, an emergency fund sub account, or you might have that uh, a clothing expense account if you wanted to teach that lesson. So the, the neat thing is over time, you can add cards or sub accounts at any time. And so as they get, you might keep it real simple for starters. A lot of families just have one, one, one card, you know, a, a spending card for the, the kid. Um, and uh, you can teach a lot of lessons there. I mean, heck, you can put a, a parent paid compound interest rate on a single spending card. You could put it on any of the card accounts. Think of it as a rewards card for not spending. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's a good and, idea. And so, Com- the, the parent paid compound interest doesn't need to just be relegated to a savings sub account. You can apply it to any one of the sub accounts. And, um, so basically and, what you just said is you could create your own reward system. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Wow. That's cool. And, um, and then, you know, people, uh, p- families reward kids for all kinds of things. Um, uh, their spot bonuses, you know, um, you know, thanks for, helping out mom the way you did, you know, boom. Uh, there's all kinds of opportunities uh, to have, to, to experiment, quite frankly, with, with reward systems and see if they work. And now it doesn't always have to be the carrot. It may be the stick. Dick. <laughs> so uh, for us, 
we, we had a set of chores that we expected the kids to do. And uh, we also wanted to keep things simple. So we didn't really want to be checking off chores and stuff. And so we gave them a regular allowance, which is fully automated. So we can, you know, get distracted by life and it'll just chug along. Yep. But we had a chore fail chart. So if they didn't do their chores, we could go in and we got sufficiently irritated. We could go in and uh, check Good off, <laughs> did not make bed, did not make bed. And that would claw back funds, which is really interesting because uh, a lot of behavioral economics people talk about loss aversion being stronger than, you know, not. Yes. So like seeing very you're getting so. your allowance and then you get dinged and it gets, you know, clawed back, that can be a very compelling motivator. Um, it didn't particularly work that well for uh, <laughs> uh, one of our sons who um, uh, he just never would make his bed. And the funny thing is he became a U.S. Army Ranger. And, oh, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he, he finally learned how to to make his bed. You sure uh, did. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, sometimes uh, I'd like to think our incentive system, uh, our disincentive <laughs> system works, but uh, sometimes you just need someone shouting down your face, I guess. <laughs> Other than mom and dad. Yeah, that's, that's, this is, this is great. This is awesome. But it's interesting. It's just kind of, um, so what we provide is this platform with all these features that you can kind of fine tune and experiment and see what works with your kids. And of course, what's appropriate um, for a certain personality or a certain age, it can change over time. So kids obviously go through a maturation cycle and, and, and young kids, you know, you might want to go kind of the, the pay for chores route, but then when they get older, they're going to get into things like summer jobs and paychecks and, and things like that. So, you, you know, you probably ditch the chore charts once you realize what a pain in the rear they are to maintain. Oh, do I know? <laughs> I, it's a, it's a battle every week. Bill. But, but then there are, there, there are um, kids with um, various challenges where that structure can be very important to them. So we have um, a lot of families with kids of, with varying disabilities and things like that. And so it's nice to have that kind of broad toolbox because certain personalities need, certain incentive systems uh, or structure. And, and, and so it's neat to be able to kind of tune the system to the needs of, of the child. And some of, our, some of our kids are octogenarians, meaning that often um, a parent will actually be helping to care for a, an adult, uh, their parents uh, who may have dementia, and they want a safe kind of sandbox, financial sandbox for their parents. So that's been one of the neat surprises about FAMZU is there's lots of use cases that I didn't anticipate. And uh, family members at risk, whether they have uh, drug addiction problems or cognitive problems or whatnot, um, this is just kind of a, a, a handy system to have uh, oversight and, and safe transaction transacting of money. So you know, again, getting back to how it works, there's this primary funding card and you can move money between that and the dependent cards, uh, either uh, on a schedule like an allowance or by checking off chores or just by going in and tapping on plus and moving some funds as needed. Um, also, two fun things that we put in that I really like 
are, uh, well, one, money requests. So kids can request funds. And, and uh, so they go into their app and, and they can't move money around, but they can request money. And then they fill out a little form that uh, where they pick the parent, usually the weaker one, me. <laughs> uh, and then they make their plea, you know, you forgot my lunch money or whatever. And then the parent gets a notification. They can tap on it. They can approve, partially approve or deny, you know. And so that kind of gets the, the conversations going. So some parents, instead of chore charts, they really want kind of their kids to learn negotiation skills. So uh, instead of having it, the money delivered when you check off the chore, instead they, they tell the kid, well, negotiate your fee with a money request, you know. So, so people use these features in ways that I hadn't anticipated. The other uh, kind of re request that we have is called a reimbursement request. And I put that in um, later down on the uh, down the line because there are all kinds of things that I was willing to purchase for my children, but I wanted them to really understand how much the things cost. And uh, so a reimbursement request is a little different than a money request because it's after the fact. So you maybe you purchase some shampoo or whatnot, and then you click on the reimbursement button and you can request a full or partial reimbursement of an expense. And so the kids are paying parents so, that, so, mom and dad back. No. So the kid is having to buy it. And then oh, okay. they say, I'd like to be reimbursed for this expense. Okay. So let's say that uh, uh, my son, Quentin, he's the fifth, um, ran out of name. So we went with <laughs> numeric based naming for Quentin. Um, let's say he goes to Chipotle. And, uh, you know, he decides that he needs to have two burritos instead of one. And, uh, and then he buys that and then he launches a reimbursement request by tapping on that Chipotle transaction, which already cleared. And a little form pops up and he says, uh, dad, I'd like to be re reimbursed uh, 10 bucks instead of the 20 bucks that it was because I ate two burritos, but you should probably only reimburse me for one. Or I might, he might try to, re, you know, get a reimbursement for the whole thing. And I'm like, 20 bucks, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, would you treat all your friends too? No yeah, way, I'll exactly. give you half. So there's this, this negotiation. But the neat thing is that kids are, even though you're ultimately paying for it, they're having to go through the process of paying for it, understanding how much it costs. And then the other beautiful side effect of this is that they have to maintain a decent balance. Because they have to buy it, be able to buy it in the first place. So you're kind of forcing your kids to skate north of every teenager's favorite balance, which is zero. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was one where that's really ended up being one of my, aside from like parent paid compound interest, probably my second favorite feature, um, just because the, 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 the kids are engaging in the process of understanding what things cost, uh, what's a good value uh, for the dollar, having a conversation with you about it, you know, so you're going to have kind of more conversations than you would otherwise if you're just silently purchasing things. And, um, and so that, that, that was a, a kind of a fun discovery. So going back, this is a little bit more of a technical question. So like these sub accounts, like I keep going, I'll keep going back to this example of spend, save, give. Mm -hmm. Do each of those, are they like a bank, like a bank account? Yes, or? they are. They are a prepaid. Technically, they're a prepaid card account. 
So okay. each of them are independent prepaid card accounts, uh, FDIC insured at our issuing bank, South State Bank. And um, so does each one software, of those cards have an individual or each one, does each of those accounts have an individual card attached to it then? Yeah, we, we uh, a plastic comes with every sub account, uh, comes along for the ride. Uh, parents typically just uh, hold on to the savings or givings card or the non-transactional okay. cards. All right. That uh, was just so really where I was going a, with that. A card gets pumped out, okay. um, but they are separate individual accounts. And then our software is what ties them all together. So if you were to call the 800 number on the back of a card, they would know about the individual card account and they, you know, you might call them to reset your pin or, um, otherwise interact with them. But our software is the one that knows, oh, this is the savings bucket and a spend, save, give that uh, belongs to, you know, Quentin in the Dwight family, you know. And so we tie it all together. And then, then our software provides all of those educational features, whether it's, you know, splitting an allowance payment between multiple sub accounts automatically, uh, the whole reimbursement flow, the parent paid compound interest calculation. So our software wakes up in the in the middle of the night when interest should be delivered and does the calculation and then does those credits. Our software sends out the text messages if you've turned on activity alerts. So, you know, one of the the key things we encourage parents to do is to say, hey, you know, little Susie, here's your your spending card. Now realize that every time you use it, I'm going to get a text message and you're going to get a text message. This is a great way to head off shenanigans at the past, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of say up front, you know, you're going to get a text message. It's going to tell you what you just bought and what your remaining balance is. And, um, but so, so are mom and dad. And um, so, you know, when we are always helping parents chase down mystery charges, you know? Uh, so a lot of our, one of the things that's very different about our company is that it's a small privately held company. So uh, it's self-financed by myself and we have no outside investors, which is nice because we can basically focus on our mission and our mission is education. So, you know, when, when a parent says that, uh, Hey, there's all these unauthorized charges on my kid's card, uh, you know, we'll actually go check it out and we'll be like, Oh yeah, actually your, your kid checked the box for, uh, Amazon Prime when they did the checkout at Amazon and this, you know, recurring charge that keeps appearing is because they checked that box. So here's how you go into Amazon and check. And now this can get complicated because there's multiple family members and we have visibility into that. So, you know, uh, sometimes it's little Johnny that uh, <laughs> used little Susie's card, or in some cases it can be even trickier to to track down because um, sometimes the parent might actually add the kid's card to their Amazon and then the family prime is like hitting their card. So, um, you know, we have all this kind of metadata that helps us, uh, as we say, put on the parental detective hat. <laughs> and this is important for a couple of reasons. Um, one is we're not doing you any favors if you're kind of teaching your kid to evade paying for something they actually signed up for. Right. That's, um, point. that's an important lesson. And, you know, they need to, to kind of learn to pay attention to their transactions and where the charges are coming from. Uh, they need to learn that, hey, you don't want to hand your card over to a friend and put, put it, put the, let your friend put your card in their DoorDash app. 
you know, um, these are all important lessons to learn and, and we'll take considerable time to, to help the parent sort of track that, that down. Um, and, uh, and those are, you know, important habits to, to learn so that down the line, you don't get yourself into some real financial trouble. Right. So selfishly, the other thing that's kind of going through my mind right now is this, this potential conversion I'm looking, I'm looking forward to from going from Excel spreadsheets to an envelope with cash in it to online fam, fam zoo style, if you will. Have you worked with parents about like what that, what's that transition like from like, I guess real, like, like the spreadsheet world, if you will, to like the online digital world and and these kids having their own card to use. Uh, Well, it's, it's a relatively straightforward transition. Um, But we kind of forget a lot of the details that come with using a card. So there's a lot of basic education about, Hey, there's a lot of numbers on the card. What do they all mean? There's um, you know, there's the number on the face of the card used to transact. There's routing and account numbers used for direct deposit, which are completely different. Um, There's a a security code on the back. There's the expiration date. Uh, There's an address associated with the card. So that trips up kids all the time. Like they'll get their address wrong, or maybe they're in a, a, a split household situation. So their billing address might be, you know, mom's address one time, and then they try to use dad's address the next time. And, and so what we do is we, we put a lot of detail about why declines happen. So if, if your card gets declined, you can open up the app and you can tap on the red decline box and it'll say, oh, um, you know, you, there's a pin security block on your card because you entered the pin wrong three times in a row. And here's what you need to do to correct it or the address mismatch. And, and so there's a lot of things that we take for granted that, that are not obvious until you start using a card. And um, like, like, you know, how billing addresses work and how those match up and so forth. Uh, so those tend to be, um, you know, the kinds of things that you have to socialize your kid to. And it can be pretty intimidating for a kid the first time using their own card. And it's exciting, but it's also like really intimidating, especially if they get a decline. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, we try to encourage, especially when working with the younger kids, like the parents should kind of go along with them for a couple of test runs, you know, to make sure they're comfortable. Like where, where do I put this card in the machine, uh, et cetera. And, and, you know, now we're getting to digital wallets and things like that, where, where kids have the cards in Apple pay and stuff like that. Um, by the way, I should point out for kids under 13, we cater to all age ranges for kids under 13, the cardholder, the legal cardholder is actually the parent. And so we have this custom label line that you can put uh, a second line printed beneath uh, the cardholder's name. So for kids under 13, the parent name will be on there as a, as a legal cardholder. And then the parent can put uh, the kid's name or Johnny's spending or whatnot on there because we never want to collect sensitive information about kids under 13. So there's, there's a COPPA compliance uh, issue there. And, um, and then when they become teenagers, then they can have the card in their name because 
that's basically when you become decidedly uncool anyway. <laughs> so they don't want your name anywhere near the card. True that. Um, but I just wanted to kind of point out that's how it works for kids under 13. It's what we call an on behalf of card. Okay. Everything works the same. Like they sign in, they see their transactions and all that stuff. It's just that the, the uh, you know, legally the card is in the name of the parent. I was just going to ask this question is like, how, how young is too young to get started with, with this? Basically, as soon as they're asking for something for at the checkout line, <laughs> uh, they're ready. And kids are very smart. They yes. learn very quickly. And so it's hard to, in my mind, start too early. You, you, you might err by trying to do something a little too complicated too early, but uh, kids get it pretty darn quickly, you know, and uh, you know, some parents, especially when we originally started all this, they worried that, oh, you know, I, I want my kids to learn with um, physical money because it's more tangible and they're going to feel it more. And my feeling was that might be fine, you know, really early on, but that's not the world that these kids are going into. Right. These kids digital. are going into a digital world. This, this topic doesn't come up as much anymore, but it used to be, like I say, we were kind of the first ones in the space and people were like, oh no, you know, like, I don't want my kid just like, you know, thinking that money can just be easily spent, you know, with a, a digital uh, a payment or a card. And so that's why we have the things like alerts and text messages that say, hey, you spent this much and you have this much left. You know, we try to put that sort of tangible feedback loop in, in the product. But the bottom line is I want the kids to learn early how to manage digital forms of money because that's the world they're headed into. And I'm not doing them any service by delaying that, that education, basically. And, and let's get that education out of the way, you know, when the stakes are low and, and all that. Uh, so that used to be kind of an issue. But now that a lot of venture back companies and so forth came into the space and run Super Bowl commercials, you know, uh, the, the concept is, is out there and we don't have to do as much sort of uh, uh, educational um, advertising anymore. People get it. They know what the, uh, what the product's all about and, and kind of how it works. We used to have to explain all that. Okay. Speaking of education, like if I go back, like, is there like education, like, do you offer or provide on the site educational videos or tutorials, if you will, for parents on how to walk kids through some of these, you know, habits and, and practical ideas that we've been talking about? Yeah, mostly it's in the form of uh, a set of blog posts that we, uh, you know, point to in the in the product. And so, for example. Uh, a very popular post is like, um, you know, here are the 10 numbers that your kid needs to know about the card uh, on a debit card. Here's what they all mean. So it's a way to sort of systematically walk through the card. You know, a kid gets a card and like uh, it reminds the parent, like, tell them what all these different numbers mean and, and uh, you know, what a pin is, how, how to pick a, a pin that's memorable, but still safe. safe. So like classic thing is, um, you know, think of a four word phrase, look at the first letter on the words, you know, like my dachshund is awesome, whatever, and then see how that maps to a number on your keypad on your phone. That's, that's better than, uh, you know, your birth date 
or you know, birth year or whatever, right? And so just little uh, tips and things that um, are either blog posts or short videos or things like that, uh, that are, we try to tie them into like the moment. And, and, and um, so for example, if you get like a, an address verification decline and you click on the red box for the decline, it points off to a blog post about what is address verification all about? What, what happens, you know? Um, oh, there's an address stored with your card. There's an address that you typed into the merchant and those two got to match up and, you know, just how that works. So okay. the focus is really like delivering the information in the moment um, as opposed to uh, study time <laughs> up front, which uh, <laughs> as a parent, um, yeah, that's not a big Probably winner. doesn't work very well. <laughs> well. But the idea is ideally the, the, the product and the software uh, uh, deliver an experiential learning um, experience as opposed to uh, having to read a lot of content or whatnot. Okay. Well, Bill, I could, I could keep going with you for another hour, but I know, like I mentioned at the get-go, like you're in this full-blown new, uh, new launch uh, sequence, if you will. So let me, let me get to my closing well, I'm question. I'm fine, but I think that our listeners probably couldn't handle it. <laughs> oh no, I think they can't. I my I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this conversation because, like I said, it's a it's a question I get often and didn't really always have a solution for them. Other than here's what I do, like via the David Owen National Bank of yeah. Dad, and even the opposite of the spoiled Ron Lieber book. By the way, but, I I would. Uh, if you'll permit me, I'd like to share yeah. my favorite financial parenting hack that has nothing to do with Famsu. <laughs> and uh, and one of the things that I'm most happy and satisfied with is that we uh, set up Roth IRAs for the kids as soon as they got their first W-2 paying jobs. And um, so uh, I've done a, you know, what's a, a one writer called a family 401k sort of situation with all of my kids. And uh, I don't like to fiddle around with uh, nuances of tax law. So I, my rule was, as soon as you got a W-2 paycheck, uh, we're going to open up a Roth IRA for you. And, uh, you know, dad's going to provide a, a very healthy match, um, you know, and, and what, what's appropriate for one family. In our particular family, I would actually gift them the, the, the entire eligible amount, um, you know, in other families, maybe um, uh, uh, extended family might help with, um, with matching gifts or things like that. But uh, this is such a wonderful construct because, um, you know, initially they're like, ah, what's a Roth IRA, you know, and, and, and so every year we would go through this uh, this uh, habit of contributing what was allowable to the Roth IRA. You have, then you have to invest it in something, ideally, right? So yeah. you're going to have that conversation about investing. And that's where we talked about index funds. And um, although if you're really smart like Elon Musk and you happen to have <laughs> shares of PayPal, then that's not a bad thing to put in your Roth IRA either. But, um, uh, you know, Initially, that was like a big yawner for them. And then, you know, every year we would do this. And then as they get older, they get in high school, they're like, hmm, wow, that's like that balance is getting interesting. Then they get in college and they're like, wow, this is really getting interesting. And then they uh, get jobs and they realize that uh, you've been contributing to this Roth IRA and talking about investing every year. 
And um, I love it because it's got elements of everything. Um, it, it actually, if you are able to make the maximum contribution that they're eligible for, can be a, a total life changer for oh, yeah. um, decades down the road. It can become a very significant amount of money. You have to work to be eligible. So that's good. It's encouraging a work uh, ethic and it matches something that can happen in the workplace with, uh, you know, uh, 401ks and things like that. So that when they get their first job and, and the HR person says, do you want to contribute to this account? They have a, they have a clue, right. you know, they're like, yeah, I've been doing my Roth IRA, you know, since I was uh, 15 or whatnot. And, um, and, and then it's, uh, it's delayed gratification because I don't actually tell them that they can withdraw the contribution amounts, you know, before they're 60, what is it? 68 or whatever. I just tell them it's got to stay in there until you're 68. So huh, a little, little white lies, not bad, yeah. right? No, um, no, that's a, that's a really excellent point because that's something that I've been doing with families I work with over the past several years. That's been a real big hit. And I've actually even done it with my kids. And what I, what really got me excited about it was to see their excitement about learning about the investment side. And, yeah. you know, I went the opposite of the index where I let them pick their own stocks and, but yeah. I, I narrowed it down for them. And yeah. it, it was a lot of, of, of companies that they were familiar with because the research I've read and seen is, you know, when, especially at their age with kids, if they're familiar with that, they'll have a better, they'll have an understanding and want to be more interested in it. So, yeah. Which is yeah. That's an interesting topic. Um, uh, you know, to me, it's really important that they understand what an index fund is and, and uh, what, what sort of passive investing is. And uh, I personally enjoy picking stocks as well as sort of a hobby. Um, but I didn't learn about index funds until I was in my like late forties. And I could have really benefited from some diversification or, uh, uh, <laughs> away from some high tech stocks during the, um, the, yeah, the, you had a front row uh, the internet bust. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so what we did with, uh, our youngest son was, uh, we did a kind of a combination. We did index funds and then he picked uh, a handful of stocks and we kind of looked at how those compared. And, and so yeah. that was a great experience. So if you can do all that, the neat thing about index fund is if you don't happen to have an interest in investing, uh, which some of my kids don't, it's a perfectly great yes. default, um, you know, default investment. And, uh, and, and so anyway, that has really worked out uh, beautifully, because you basically end up creating a, a safety net uh, within your own family very early on, and it's very tax efficient and and has all these great properties. And it's, it's an excuse to talk to your kids about long-term investing every year that starts out as a real dud yeah. uh, when they're real young, and then it gets more and more interesting every year. So yeah, um, that's uh, anyway. I wanted to to, to uh, re, re, you already know about it, but I wanted to reemphasize it with them. Um, no, this is great because I think it fits into and hopefully the, the audience gathers like what you guys are really about at FAMZU, which is about education and helping support families, which is what I do and what this this whole entire podcast it's been going on a little over two years now is has been all about too. So. Mm -hmm. 
Um, no, I greatly appreciate you bringing that up because I, I know that's an interest that you know people have and have asked me about throughout the years. And, and I've set up many Roth accounts for, for these kids and it's been, uh, it's been, it's been terrific. Um, but you know, I, there, I didn't even get to probably half the, que- half the questions on my list. So we're going to have to have you back after you get, or you do biggest- a rapid fire, yeah. keep it to 30 <laughs> seconds or less response. I'm not good at that bill. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to have you back on, uh, after you get the, uh, software launch or, or update, uh, done for sure. So, but I do want to get to my closing question that I ask all of my guests, and this is going to be a good one for you since you've got five kids, which is what is the best thing about being a parent? Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I saw that, uh, that question in the, in the notes for this. And, um, uh, that is a very uh, open-ended question, uh, but I, I was thinking that the best thing about being a parent is it just makes me a better human. Um, I, I can't imagine my life uh, without, um, you know, my, my wife and my kids. I just, I can't imagine. Uh, it, it would be so much less rich. And I, I've my kids have taught me so much in terms of um, empathy and tolerance and expanding my narrow views about what is, what does success look like? Um, You know, our kids are all radically different, even though Selena and I, uh, I think we're the same parents. (laughs) (laughs) Nature versus nurture. (laughs) And it's just been the most amazing, wonderful experience to have a large family. We didn't come, either of us uh, come from large families. And um, our our conversations uh, around the dinner table uh, when we get everyone together are just an absolute hoot (laughs) Uh, uh, because everyone's got different views, but uh, we, we all have an incredibly strong connection. And... I don't know. I, I just, uh, being a parent makes me feel like a, a full human being and, um, you know, it's just very, very powerful. So, uh, then, uh, being a grandparent, now that <laughs> is awesome. I can tell you we have, well, don't, uh, don't, don't tease us with that because when I have you on, that'll be my closing question. <laughs> Cause have we have a grandchild. Now. That's got all the upside and all the downside. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bill, I can't thank you enough for, for your time and we'll put the, uh, all the links in the show notes, but I, I greatly encourage our audience. Um, and I know I've mentioned it to a few families already, uh, that, that I, I spoke with, that I knew I was going to have you on the show to interview, to, to check out FamZoo, and, and I'm definitely going to get, uh, get mine going, uh, this weekend, probably when I'm at a swim meet. So, well, I appreciate it, Paul. And uh, so folks can just visit the, the homepage and there's a, a video that walks through what it, uh, what, what, how the product works, how to order the cards. And so I encourage everyone to just kind of check out the video because that gives a good overview. And like I say, there are, there are lots of uh, similar products these days. And the big difference is um, with FAMZU, we're 100% focused on the educational mission. And if you contact us uh, or you pick up the phone and call us, you're going to talk to either Bill or Chris. And so uh, we don't advertise uh, at all. And it's just a word of mouth referral. And we intentionally keep it pretty, pretty small just so we can give that really uh, personal hands-on attention. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation, Bill. I can't thank you enough. And like I said, I'm already looking forward to that uh, next conversation. Excellent. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.